to the Imposter Syndrome Club. I'm Alice and I am joined as always by my friend and collaborator and personal hero, Jessamy. Hello. (laughs) I'm always so excited to see what uh, compliments I'm going to get today. Personal hero is the best. Thank you. Do you know, every time I do it in real time, my brain wonders why I didn't just Google some fucking adjectives. (laughs) (laughs) Or you could also just say, Jessamy. No. Okay. No. (laughs) Well, I love it. And I personally support you continuing to compliment me immensely at the start of every podcast because it makes me feel really good. Yeah. I'm so, well, you are in all, in all seriousness, you're someone that I, listen, I'm just getting fucking deep into the feelings right here, but you are someone that I respect and love a lot. I was telling Tom the other day, you know, there's that, um, thing about your you become the average of the five people you spend the most time around yeah and I was saying to him that you are one of those five for me luckily with the podcast with work we collaborate sometimes with work stuff and just as friends um I feel incredibly lucky <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> um, well same and I remember um years ago so we were sort of in the, the earlier stages of our friendship, yeah. just falling in love. It was our crush phase. Yeah. It's still going a bit. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're moving into our, our married oh, phase. God. Yeah, we yeah. are. <laughs> um, but I remember I think it had been after doing that um, Brene Brown leadership course, the Dare to Lead. It's, it's based on her Dare to Lead content and it was like a, a six-week or something course that I did. Um and it's the same concept, but she calls it your square squad, I think, because there's sort of four people in it. So thinking about being intentional, if you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with or four people that you spend the most time with, you need to be intentional about who those people are because that matters. And uh, you are one of my square squad. <laughs> and I think I even wrote down as a goal for the coming year it might have been as we were doing our business business sleepover that we do annually um like just more time with Alice was like one of my goals do you know for the I re- following year I think I remember that that was the year I remember getting a text from you on the 31st of December and it it was obviously part of of you must have been in like a context of reflection and there was a text of like one of my new year's resolutions is for us to spend more time together and I literally felt like someone had given me a bouquet of flowers because it was that early friendship time of like you've identified this human that you just feel that feeling of it, it's it's like that not only are you drawn to them and obviously like attracted to them as a human and their brain and what they're about and their personality, but there's also just that little piece of just thinking that they, yeah, it's like crush feeling of, of just yeah. like, you're also like not sure. Like I used to, when we were new, new friends, I'd like leave and I was like, oh my God, did I, did I fuck that up? Was that, was that, was I weird? Was I too weird? Yeah. <laughs> and every time I'm like, no, I'd get the text and we'd hang out again. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's always like, it's cute reflecting on that stuff when those friendships do grow into something that is so safe, like now this is one of the places I feel the safest and the most accepted. And I'm like, oh, baby. Yeah, there was a time where like, does she she like me too? Yeah, totally. It's so funny like that um, friend crush as opposed to a romantic crush because there's no sort of like 
culmination in the same way. Do you know what I mean? Like if you've got a romantic we crush on someone. Our friendship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if you've got a romantic crush on someone, at some point like you kiss or you don't, yes. right? Like and then you have the information that you need to move forward. But there isn't really a friend version of that, except maybe like the there does seem to be some turning point, like maybe you um, stay overnight somewhere together or you you just raise your eyebrows at me. I'm like, not in a sexy way. <laughs> Completely unintentional. My, I, my left eyebrow does its own thing. It's not. It's its own boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like my twin that I absorbed in utero. It just, it just inhabits my left eyebrow. Pay no heed. Okay. All right, lefty. Um, or like you get drunk together yes. for the first time. Or, you know, something where you... Um, the last of your sort of little barriers that you were holding up maybe get eroded yes. because you're more comfortable, which could be because of the addition of alcohol <laughs> or could just be like seeing each other in your PJs, yes, you know. It's, it's the showing someone your mess moments yes, exactly. where you're like, where you have, it's, it's almost like I'm now using a metaphor that is not accurate because I'm not a homeowner. But imagine you had like a home and you could invite someone into your lounge and kind of host them for a dinner, but that's within your control because you've cleaned it before they get there and you've like put out the nice cutlery or whatever. Yeah. But then there's the moment that they go to your bedroom and see what a fucking chaos mess you are. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like the crossing of that threshold because you have to hold your breath because if they're not into that, you're like, well, okay, cool. That's... Well, that, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, I wanted to talk to you about something. I'm making it sound like it's very serious. Right. It's not. <laughs> so um, last weekend, Dan and I met our new baby nephew. Very cute. Little freshie. It's like, yeah. well, it must be like two, two or three weeks old. Um, so I've always been very nervous about holding babies. So I'm the youngest, it's just my sister and I didn't have any, we don't have any younger cousins anyway, but even if we did, we, my family from Queensland, we moved to Melbourne the year before I was born. So didn't have any family, never babysat, just didn't have any younger kids around. So I was not used to interacting with babies or younger children. So I've always been a bit weird. Um, and then, you know, getting older and as friends, start having babies and the whole thing of like, you got to go meet the baby. Um, (laughs) Simba. (laughs) (laughs) Which like, yeah, cool. Like it's exciting and stuff, but I'm, I'm very nervous. Basically I, I usually don't want to touch the baby, but there's a whole thing of like, Oh, you want to cuddle? And the real answer usually is no, I don't because I'm scared of it and it doesn't. I'm scared of it, okay? I am. Okay. I'm not scared. Like, not, I'm laughing because this is so relatable. I'm like, it's the I'm tiniest, of- most defenseless thing, but I'm like, I'm fucking terrified. It's so, it's, it is simultaneously the most important thing to someone you love and also the most fragile. Exactly. And then they just give it to you. Yeah, like you're meant to know what to do with it. And this is, this is I think, the most interesting thing about it is that not only is it just like I feel awkward and it's a very precious thing that's like very new to the person who 
owns it. Made it. (laughs) Made it. So there's all of that sort of stuff. But then there is this like really ingrained shame around everyone will see how uncomfortable I am and how unmaternal I am. And that makes me a bad woman. Oh my God. Love. Isn't that fucked? It's so fucked. And it is also so relatable. Like I feel like I'm going to hold it. It's going to immediately start crying, Yeah. but it won't be like when it cries, when other people hold it, because when other people hold it, it cries. Cause it's like, Oh, it's just a baby. And look, babies cry yeah. sometimes. But when I hold it, it's crying because my soul is, is like a festering black. Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. And it knows. Badness. Yeah. It can see cause yeah. it's just come from. It, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's you. It's an angel, basically. Yeah. It's just come from like angel realm. Yeah. And it can identify that like there's some darkness in me yeah. that's uncurable and like fundamentally broken and wrong and yes. bad. Yeah. 100%. Exactly. Can I tell you something that I've worked out for this very situation? Mm-hmm. And it works pretty much every time. And it's kind of using, it's like taking the whole system but using it against itself, which is just this. You just fake it. And because you're packaged in a female form, everyone's fine with that. They're like, oh yeah, no, it's not fake. It's just that she's a woman and she loves babies. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that's probably been my strategy. And I must say like with, I'm less awkward as I get older because I'm happier to say, I'm super awkward because I haven't spent much. I'm happy, yeah. happier to just say that. And obviously with family, it's easier again because they, you know, yeah. they know me and stuff. It's fake. I love it. <laughs> so that is kind of the route that I took for this. But <laughs> how do you how do you say I'm finished now? <laughs> I've had my turn. I've, I have everything. We're done. Yeah, like I'm. We're, I'm done with this now. Yeah. I'm. I'm sick of your baby. Yeah. <laughs> your baby bores me. And this, I, this wasn't the, with our beautiful baby nephew. He's gorgeous, mm. and I was happy to. Mm. <laughs> not, I was not a very great conversationalist. <laughs> not a, well. I'll, I'll get into to that momentarily, but that was my. It, and it, it's related to the being awkward with him, right? So I don't feel conf- confident standing up. So basically I'm sitting there, I get Dan to place the baby yeah. on me in a way that I can't possibly fuck up and then I am frozen <laughs> because I'm so terrified that I'm going to break its beautiful little baby neck somehow. Yeah. If I was more baby competent, I would have just stood up and put him back in his crib fine. But I'm so nervous and then, again, because of the shame, you're a bad female thing I didn't want to I don't want to ask but then it's so it's just so awkward like yeah. how do you how do you then... I don't, this I am, is, I'm done I, I love that we're speaking about this because I've literally like I feel like I'm it's so god it's making me feel just so much calmer about it because it just really feels like I watch other people and not only do they know what to do but they look like they're enjoying it yes 
And I'm like, I would take just one of those two things. Yeah. I would be fine with one. Yes. <laughs> I've got zero. Totally. I'm terrified. I'm like the whole thing. I'm like, have I done enough to show you that I'm proud and happy and <laughs> yeah. on board? But like and the whole time, it's exactly that feeling of holding it. I also do the same thing where I'm like only sitting down. Like yeah. I need to be sitting. The thought of standing and holding it. I'm like, I don't know what I think is going to happen. That I'm no. Just, <laughs> it's just my le- I'm going to forget. None of it's based no. in logic. No, but I'm like, if I'm sitting, I've kind of of like lowered my center of gravity and then I'm just going to stay there and hold it and then the whole time all I can think is like the neck the neck the neck support. yeah 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 oh my god something about the neck that people keep saying the neck support the head yeah. support the head yeah because even the thought of like now when you were saying about oh someone could put it in the crib or something mm. my brain would just be like is it fine horizontal like is it going to choke on its own spit yeah, exactly. like I'm, I don't know what I is mean, it going to do I mean it was there when I arrived but for some reason I'm like it'll be different when <laughs> no, I put exactly, it down yeah, exactly I'm going to put it down at the wrong angle and it's so dumb because the other like my brother and sister-in-law they don't give a sh- like they would not at all be insulted they're very chill parents and like they know me yeah. there is no part of them that would be judging me in any way but I it's like it's my shit it's between me and the baby <laughs> <laughs> and the baby's winning <laughs> yes so powerful <laughs> It's true. Listen, okay, I've given this a, I've given this some thought and these rightly or wrongly, but what I've decided is firstly, in the beginning, you just have to fake it. Yeah. Because it's not like and when I say faking it, the fact that you're there and I say you, you, me, one, the fact yeah. that one is there in the first place is like you're not faking the love and support. No. That is real. It's yeah. just it's just faking the comfort around this like little alien creature. Yeah. But it's all coming from a good place. Like it's not coming from like I hate and resent this thing. It's just coming from like I don't want to hurt this thing and I feel I'm acutely aware of the pressure and the value of this beautiful object and I don't want to fuck it up, right? So it's coming from that place. So in my mind I'm like, okay, you just fake the confidence with it and I'm trying to make myself do it because usually I would have taken the first option and kind of like make a joke out of it and I've always been with partners who are quite a lot warm and squishier and fuzzier like all of the guys I've been with happen to be great with babies and kids so like I I can kind of like deflect onto them and it is also that classic thing of like a woman holds a baby and everyone's like cute that's cool you're holding it you get no points your partner if they're male holds a baby everyone's like oh my god he's so good I'm like he's just holding it I was doing that It's the same way when you go to a coffee shop. It's like a classic Collingwood Fitzroy scene on a Sunday. Like dad's taking the babies out to go get like a expensive coffee. Yeah. And the second it's it's like there are a million mums all the time with like prams and babies. And everyone's yeah. like, yeah, cool, whatever. They're just people getting coffee. The second that it's like a group of dads with baby, everyone's like... Oh my god! Like equality, yeah. male, like great fame. And I'm like, no, they're just doing the same thing, like li- the same thing. But they get a parade. I think it's even worse than that because I think it's not even just like mother is neutral, father is doing something amazing. I think there's almost like a 
a slight dip to the negative. Like if there's a mum with kids, it's like, oh, annoying, like little shits, oh. there, blah, 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 blah. But if it's a dad with kids, again, yeah, like celebration parade streamers. That's so true. Yeah. Because if the baby started screaming with the mum, everyone would be like rolling their eyes like, please, fuck, it's so yeah. annoying. If the baby starts screaming with the dad, everyone's like, oh, my God, like he's yeah. so brave. Yeah. And this is the sort of shit that like when, I mean, again, like, 99% sure and the door's going to be closed in my face very shortly anyway. But, like, you know, Dan and I have had conversations about kids and what would that look like and all this sort of stuff and trying to express to him that, like, regardless of how even and progressive and whatever our relationship dynamic is, the world is not equal when it comes to parenting and being the perceptions around being a mother, the expectations around being a mother is different. It just is. And you can try as much as you want to make that equal. It just won't be. Which is why I'm like, I would be a dad. I don't really want to be a mum. <laughs> I can't really do anything about that. Yeah, it's a, I almost feel like in that, and again, this is, I'm, I haven't lived this, but just my thoughts on it are kind of you almost equality doesn't exist anyway, but, but to create some kind of like healthy and equitable relationship. And obviously, you know, disclaimer for anyone listening, of course we're speaking now in like super heteronormative terms. And of course this can take a million other shapes and, and forms, but just as like a short and quick kind of way of discussing it. But like, they, I think that it's it's almost like having to acknowledge the fact that that inequity is often like structurally built in is the only way to deal with yes. it fairly. Because like at least if you can look it in the eyes and be like, this is what we're dealing with. Wow. Yes. <laughs> it's the patriarchy coming to <laughs> shut down this conversation. They're fucking lawn mowers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how much of this I'm sure you'll be able to hear that because that's quite loud, but there is someone doing their gardening outside while we're having this life-changing conversation. Maybe, maybe they're doing your, maybe we're going to get mad about it, but maybe it's your neighbour mowing your lawn as a beautiful neighbourly gesture. It's definitely not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, I, I agree. And I think that's where I have encountered some frustration with these conversations before it's like people going I don't see color well that's not fucking useful because it exists and people have different experiences based on their background the color of their skin that is a truth like we we don't want that to be the case but it is so by saying I don't know I don't see color that is not helpful yeah and I feel like it's the same thing or can be similar with this in that it's it's not helpful to be like no, no, but, like, we'll, we'll be totally different. Like, we'll be totally equal because we, you know, respect each other and that we don't have the, you know, outdated, um, um, you know, typical gender role, whatever type situation. But it's, that's not useful. Like, that's just not how it yeah. works. And it needs to be acknowledged so you can do your best to navigate around it exactly and I think that that's a really interesting 
kind of where you know there's this whole thing around like toxic positivity yeah. at the moment and like this is not necessarily exactly that but I think it's adjacent to that where mm. it's, it's this idea of because actually it's really hard to argue with the ideal at the heart of that it's almost like people are, are skipping the middle step of the work yeah. and are speaking very aspirationally of like complete equality and this complete like utopian state of like Yes, in a dream world, we, we are all going to be equally co-parenting. Like, so you, you're yeah. not arguing. You're like, yeah, that is a totally valid and important thing to strive for. Yeah. But if you, if you skip the middle step of admitting that the current state is a mess, yeah. you're almost using that dream to perpetuate the inequity. Yeah. Instead of actually looking at it and being like, okay, this is uncomfortable, but here's what's fucking happening. And I think also what it does is then makes you feel guilt and shame about not achieving that yes. unrealistic situation. Yeah. Because then if you're if you're skipping over the middle part and not acknowledging its existence, then you're always trying to live up to something yeah. that is impossible. Yeah. Yeah, that's I hadn't thought of it in that way. Mm. I think it's there's so many sides to it, and I mean, I've seen also ways in which, of, of course, it affects everyone involved, but also like how hard it is for dads as well, who, you know, the realities of like the, f- yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's hard for everyone. Basically, like the stru- <clears throat> there are certain Absolutely. structures that just make it really fucking hard, and that's. <laughs> Well, this is the thing, you know, and it's like when you talk about feminism, it's not about like making things better for women. I mean, it is, but it's not, it's like equality benefits everybody. So, you know, having more flexible work arrangements for dads as well as mums, you know, like all of this sort of stuff and the, yes, like this stuff affects it from the other side too. It's not just like. Well, exactly. Like if, if the dad is not of it, like if his paternity leave is so much shorter, that's part of perpetuating. I mean, I've seen this exactly. with my sister is like, yeah. well, it means that if her partner is going back to work first, she is doing more of that primary carer role. Yeah. As a result of being more of the primary carer early on, the child is learning to rely on her more and that's going to make it harder and harder for her to leave for longer because it's, it's, it's set up that pattern, which yeah. then just gets kind of like deeper as you go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Are we not going to fix the patriarchy today? <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm like. Am I getting that from this Oh, guy? man. I mean, I feel like we were almost there. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, there was something earlier that I wanted to say to you, but it's gone. And I guess we'll never know. Well, there you go. It was hilarious. Also very smart. You I bet it, it was. <laughs> I don't doubt it for a second. Um, well, conversely to um, feeling very nervous about meeting babies, you know what I don't feel nervous about? Meeting, meeting dogs, meeting puppies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is just true. They are just better. They're cuter. Uh, they do more stuff. Like toddlers, I'm kind of into human ones. Babies, like I think it's amazing to see a freshly cooked human yeah. and how tiny their little nose and ears and stuff are. And their are. little fingernails. And their tiny little thing. Yeah. Like that is like, it's amazing, but they don't do a lot, you know? Um, but puppies are just joy. So, I, I, and I bring this up because I met a puppy yesterday. <laughs> Tell us about the puppy you met. <laughs> 
So uh, Rowena, my um, practice manager at um, my business, Thinking Colour, just got a Samoyed puppy. You know, they're, they're the big white fluffy they're dog. They're crazy. They're just a white puff ball. They look yeah. like pom-poms yes. of pure whiteness. Yes. So she has already an adult Samoyed who is gorgeous. So I met him for the first time in person yesterday as well. What's his name? Midas. Cute. Yeah, he's gorgeous and huge. He weighs like 35 kilos. So my dogs weigh like three kilos. <laughs> my, it's just 10 of your dogs standing on each other's together. shoulders wearing a fur coat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get into yeah. an R-rated movie. <laughs> Pickle, I mean Midas. <laughs> But he's so, he's like a bear. Like I just kept like putting my arms around him and yeah. going like, this is amazing. It's like a whole big, like a person in a fluffy coat anyway. And so Kev- Kevin is the name <laughs> of the puppy. Best puppy name, Kevin. He's so Kevin. Um, yeah, it was just, it was the name from the breeder and they were like, well, we're keeping that. That's it's amazing. So good. Yeah. Kevin is the name of the bird in Up. Remember that that Pixar, they find that beautiful, exotic, weird bird and the little kid names it Kevin. Oh, I actually haven't seen Up. (gasps) Stop. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I don't – I'm never drawn to animated movies. When I watch them, I usually enjoy them if they're good, but there's no – like I wouldn't choose to put on an animated movie ever. I go through whole phases where I'll only watch animation. Really? Yeah, I just – I love that it's like because you're drawing that world, there's like no more rules anymore. anymore. You can make – that universe is not constrained to anything. It's like "Mm, gravity, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't know what it is. As I said, like when I'm there, I quite enjoy it. I just never feel drawn to them. Okay, but that, um, that is another – that's a very – we're going to have the oh, conversation. Yeah. But tell but, us um, about Kevin. Oh, yeah, Kevin. <laughs> just on his screen, <laughs> when Rowena texted, texted me his name and I was like, oh, my God, Kevin, that's um, my my granddad's name and my first boyfriend's name. And then I was like, to be clear, different people. <laughs> <laughs> It's like one of those things, like, it's only as you type it, you're like, oh, oh no. Oh, no. Um, different people. Okay. <laughs> For the record. Yeah. Let it be known. Um, but, yeah, just like, so it was a it was a cold morning essay, but it was sunny. And just because of the way Rowena's house is set up with the dogs and stuff, we had to sit outside in the courtyard. But it was so beautiful. So I had, like, the sun on my back. And these two just like embodiments of joy running around. And it was the best way to start a day ever. And puppies are just magic. And Rowena's never had a puppy before. So she got Midas as an, as an adult dog. And just like seeing the joy that it's bringing yeah. her. And they're, they're just so funny and so... I don't know. I just, I think they're the most joyful little things and it sets my heart on fire. No, I so love, gorgeous. they've got the, the way that they walk without bending their little legs. They're like, <laughs> <"Doot, doot, doot, laughs> <laughs> it's like they trot everywhere with yes. that kind of like 
yeah just pure innocence and curiosity yeah and, yeah well like you know they they're running and fall over then they're like oh well I'm just on the ground now I guess I'm doing ground <laughs> stuff for a bit you know just like following their bodies yeah it's just so beautiful to watch anyway that's that's the puppy that I met <laughs> start a segment of the show which is just like a 10 minute like summary of the dogs we've met that week we totally can kevin gets five stars oh yeah 100 and so does midas because they're both yes. good boys oh that was such good points oh, i um i gave maggie a shower this week oh how'd she go was fucking traumatizing for me and her oh. but we did it we made it to the end she's just got so much fur that like yeah it's not a small endeavor and it literally was like i i went to yoga i came back i was sweaty and I like f- in desperate need of a shower, but I'm like, I'm doing her first and then I'm going to do me afterwards. Cause I'm going to be yeah. filthy yeah. after this smart. And it was just like, like standing there wrangling her in the shower. Cause it's not one of those ones where you can take the shower head off the top. Oh yeah. So it's like, it, it feels like a very, very small isolated thunderstorm (laughs) (laughs) but just very small and I have to keep aligning her under it but we did it anyway I mean this is great content but let let me just say that I feel like you know there are some things that are disproportionately small but they make you feel like a warrior princess when you actually do them I'm like fuck I did it yeah we made it to the other side of that yeah and now it's amazing. She's like an actual teddy bear perfect for cuddles I know which but it also means she's in the danger zone of desperately seeking something disgusting to roll in i know why why um we probably going to give our doggies a bath today because we're going to la on thursday (laughs) but it's funny doing all the like you know washing all the towels and bed clothes and shit because we've got um a friend coming to house sit and dog sit while we're away i didn't realize that for the whole time for the whole time a month or something yeah yeah for a month yeah which is great but it's funny that we've sort of like included the dogs in the cleaning like well we should probably give them a wash (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's i think that that's a very um thoughtful it's thoughtful for your friend it's also thoughtful for the the dogs because they'll get the best cuddle experience if they are that's true they're optimal that's true clean. yeah let's talk about LA okay so as you're saying as you're saying that I'm looking at your face right you've got your beautiful pink headphones your pink glasses your pink lipstick purple mm. pink lipstick and you're heading to LA like as Barbie has just been released I am it's so awesome. excited <laughs> I'm I'm like, so I don't, I guess we have different social media algorithms going on, (laughs) but I'm amazed. Like the marketing around this movie has been incredible. Like I can't remember the last time I was excited about a a movie that had this much like hype around it and this much lead up. Um, As far as I'm aware, unless I had told him, Dan would not have even been aware that this movie exists. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I'm like, we are going to bar because it comes out the day we arrive as well. Oh, my God. That's going to be so fucking fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll definitely go within the first, you know, day or two because we get there in the, at like 5.30 in the afternoon or something. So probably not day one, but maybe day two. Um, But, yeah, I'm like, you are coming to this with me also to see it like if you happen to be going to london for a month like yeah okay cool it's a premiere but like 
that makes less sense. Yeah. But to go to Los Angeles, it's like the barbiest. Like it's and the, it's the middle of summer. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna. It's like iconic. I don't feel like it's like such a such a moment in culture that even Dan, it might not be his scene. I actually think he'll probably love it. The movie looks very smart and very funny. I, I agree. I obviously don't know yet, but yeah. it, it looks great. I think yeah. he'll love it. Yeah, I think so too. And this is trying, like, again, without him having seen any of the marketing for it, I'm like, I think it's not what you think yes. it is. Like, yeah. I, you'll enjoy it. It's got a great cast. It, I'm sure it's a, yeah, exactly, like a smart, funny take on the Barbie world. Yeah. Um, oh, yes, I'm very excited about that. And... Also, the other thing is, um, listeners will know I'm a very big uh, RuPaul's Drag Race fan. So there's a, an all-stars season running at the moment and I wasn't sure where it was going to sit with the end of the season, but this coming weekend is the finale and we are going to be in L.A., for the finale, and there's a, um, a very well-known drag bar there called Mickey's, who you hear it referred to by the queens a lot um, in West Hollywood, and every week they do like a viewing party there. And so I'm going to go to that, and it's the finale, and one of my favourite queens from the season is going to be there hosting, <laughs> and it's 25 bucks. What the fuck? You know, th- this is like people ask why, like why L.A.? Because we, we've gone there a lot and our sort of like ideal future plan would be to spend like three months of the year there every year so that we can just escape winter and be happy. <laughs> be happy and hot. <laughs> um, but this is one of the, the main reasons. I mean, the weather is also a big reason. Um, but just your access to world-class, world-leading entertainment, whether it's drag or stand-up comedy or music, that is just happening all around you all the time for nothing. Like seeing world-class comedians that would cost you hundreds of dollars to see at a like massive stadium or theatre venue in Australia are there working like three nights a week for 10 bucks at the comedy store or you know, it's just like that sort of access to culture is so exciting to me. The fact that this is just, it's like being inside the TV. That's how I feel. <laughs> it's like all of my favourite things yeah. from the TV. And because I think we have such an American, an exported American culture in Australia, which I think some people um, um try to ignore or rally against or whatever, but it's just the truth. Like there's not, there's no, if you take any sort of value judgment out of that, that is just true. If you look at the, you know, TV, movies, music, et cetera, we consume, we are very American centric in our culture. So yeah, like I remember the first time I went to New York, I was like, oh my God, I'm in Sesame Street. (laughs) say sex in the city <laughs> no <laughs> I mean that too but it's like it's that yeah ingrained from yeah. that young you yeah, know you're seeing know. Oscar the Grouch and the steam coming up from the greats and all of this stuff has been in like it's made up parts of yeah. us because like you know we've spoken a lot about the power of storytelling so all of these stories that we're getting of you know our heroes and crushes and people that we identify with and all of these stories that we've that have made up the the tapestry of us as humans exist in this place that 
feels like it doesn't exist. It's like Narnia. I, but then you go and you're like, it's real. I, Muscle Beach is real. <laughs> and you can touch it. Like it, it is just that that kind of um, surreal feeling of a thing, like you say, that has always existed as a fantasy in this one degree of separation, like removed from your life. And then you yeah. go and you're like, oh, these are things I can see. Or I remember last time when you went to the comedy store and you saw a comedian and you're like standing in the front row, you can like watch him spit yeah. while he's talking. Yes. And you're like, oh, that's, but like, I think of you as someone from Netflix, yes. but you're just a guy in the world the same way I'm a person in the world. And like, yeah. it, it kind of, I feel like it's so helpful in breaking down that barrier of, of what we think we can do as well. When mm. you just see people doing stuff in contexts or, I know I, I get that a bit when I've been in Europe, seeing the landscapes that I recognize from like fairy tales as a kid. Yeah. Because growing up in South Africa, pretty similar to Australia, like our nature is not what you see in fairy tales. Yes. It's like where you grew up where nature's like browns and yellows and like much drier, harsher kinds mm. of colors. And I'm like, the books were like flowers and castles and greens and whatever. I'm like, oh, that's just Europe. Yeah. Like I thought it yes. was fantasy. I'm like, oh, it's not fantasy. It's Germany. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. Like, Forests and stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I remember um, last time we went to Europe, which was quite a number of years ago now in Germany, going into like the woods. Yes, the woods. Yes. <laughs> Related, like connected those two things as being the same, but you're absolutely yeah. right. It's that excitement of being in, of realizing a thing <laughs> that you thought was magic and made up is yeah. real. It's just LA or Germany. I could almost, I think as a kid, like I could almost wrap my head around. I knew that there were places called Disney World or Disneyland, and there was like the castle. You know, I'm like, I, I yeah. get it. That's that's the place where they've taken the stories and they've like made a real place of the story. Yes. That was far less jarring than just realizing that like actual castles exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what? What is this? Oh my gosh, that's so true. Um, so what yeah. are your LA? Do you have any like actual bookings? Are you going to kind of, so you obviously the, the Drag Race finale viewing. Yes. So I bought tickets that again. Dan, God, God love him, is uh, <laughs> escorting me. I'm like, I can go on my own, but, but I, I may, prefer not to. You're like, I may make best friends and <laughs> never come back. It's <laughs> a chance we'll both have to but take. But I also think like, I mean, that's something I, I would never have any expectations on him to come to something like that in Melbourne because um, that's what I have got the gaze for. Um <laughs> But I think, you know, when you're on holiday or you're traveling, those sort of things that are way out of your usual like taste or comfort zone or whatever feels like much more, much less like an annoyance and much more like, oh, this is something that holiday me gets to try. 100%. And again, especially given the context that you're in, it's like, it's of that place. Like if you were going exactly. to Barcelona, yes. sure, maybe you'd be having fun. You'd still definitely go. Maybe Dan would go because he's in holiday mode. But it is LA. Like yeah. that is the place you're going to see. Yeah. 
Are you going to also do, they've got like cool hikes and nature stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll get up into the hills. We have done a couple of little hikes up there previously, but it's so nice. So we're there for a whole month and we're just staying in the one Airbnb the whole time. We're not traveling anywhere. Well, we'll probably go on some little day trips and stuff, but you know, no, no internal flights. And I feel like that just, cause you know, when you're on holiday, you feel so compelled to like fill your days and make the most yeah. of it to the point where it can become a job, not enjoyable. Yeah. It's a definitely not. And there is a difference between like holiday and travel for, I, I think, you know, there's a type of holiday where like, we are just like relaxing by the pool, doing nothing, getting some massages, you know, like the, like a Bali holiday. <laughs> and then there's travel where maybe you're more like, I want to know what it's like to live here and, and collect experiences and see all of the things and, you know, go to museums and shit or whatever. Both um, equally valuable and ideally a mix of both, I think, is nice in time away. But I think the problem with being from Australia, not the problem, just the situation, is that we're so fucking far away from everywhere that you do really feel the need to like pack everything so full because like I've spent so much money and so much time to get over here and you you know like three weeks usually would be a generous holiday like maybe you're going for two you know two or three weeks from a money's perspective time perspective all that sort of stuff and you sort of forget about the fact that you are still you when you are on the other side of the world you still require rest you're not suddenly going to be interested in things that you're not usually interested (laughs) in (laughs) but but I think that um yeah you forget that you will also like holiday you travel you also needs a couple of days in there to do nothing and not feel guilty about that it's so difficult and I've met yeah like and it's a it's such a tricky one because it sounds like a a thing you can understand intellectually but it's very difficult to give yourself permission when you're there yeah. because I think that whether we're conscious of it or not, I think our brains almost divide. You're like, you've spent X amount on flights, X amount on accommodation, never yeah. mind anything else. You're now dividing that, that total up over how many days, right? Yeah. So this day, before you've eaten anything, before you've done anything, just being there yeah. on that day is costing you however many hundred dollars. Yeah. Now you're like, my God, well, fuck, I better, well, I better. better go see the, the thing or do the thing, what, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is what I'm really excited about. Like having a month feels like it takes the pressure yeah, off a lot and awesome. also, and just being in the one spot um, and somewhere that we've been lots of times before as well. I mean, there's, there are so many new places to explore, but it's sort of like, I guess some of those like, the things that you feel like you have to see yeah. when you go to LA are long ticked off the list, yeah. which gives us more scope for, yeah, just exploring, going for a drive and seeing where it takes us, you know, these sorts of things I'm really pumped about. Do you have rollerblades? <laughs> you are like the third person really? to ask me about rollerblading <laughs> in LA. I, ha- I have roller skates. Okay, same, same But same. I'm not going to take them. <laughs> Quite heavy, quite heavy. (laughs) But like, I feel like that little strip of like Venice Beach where you got Muscle Beach and stuff. It's like being in Baywatch. I I love it so much. And the last time we were there, 
we watched Baywatch like all the time. So it was like being in Baywatch, <laughs> watching Baywatch. I just love it. And we will still like now, if we need like a little like comfort thing, yeah. put on Baywatch and just like dream about me. You know? <laughs> but it's like a, it's almost like a bit of a kind of nineties time warp, like that, like picture, yes. like a B-roll scene from um, Baywatch. Like you can picture it, right? Like people in like, fluoro and yes. roller skates like that shit is still there <laughs> and, and the thing is it it was always there but we're in currently a moment where outside of that the 90s is having a, a revival yeah. moment anyway yes. so like for the first time in 30 years since it was cool the first time it is also just cool again yes like objectively outside of the bubble yes but I can completely imagine it's like those bikinis that are like you say fluoro and then like super high waisted yeah, yeah. but they only cover like just your crack basically yeah. like most of your <laughs> butt is out and then you need the big like some big hair yeah yeah love it yeah very excited so I don't know maybe we'll um Maybe we can hire some rollerblades or something. But maybe even as I asked it, I realized that that is a classic of what falls into the category of what we were just saying about making up a story that holiday you is going to be different from current you. Because That's actually, true. if you're not rollerblading on your weekends now, why the fuck would you want to rollerblade when you get to Venice Beach? Well, I bought those roller skates during lockdown and I think I used them once. Yep. I had, I had a pair of those too. I recently sold them on Facebook. <laughs> I had such big dreams oh, I know. and I was scared of the neighborhood children laughing at me. <laughs> I know. I get it. I, I think I was at a point where I've realized all the things that make me money are drawing based, whether mm. it's illustration, tattooing, like these, I need a right hand to make money. Yes. And it's quite, I mean, it sounds like an obvious thing to say given what we do but it's sudden that sudden realization and I had it bouldering the other day as well where I'm like oh an injury is not just like a shitty inconvenience it's like I don't like I don't have a plan b yeah my drawing plan b is tattooing or my tattooing plan b is drawing but they both need a right hand yeah <laughs> and I don't have any pay like I don't have any skill I mean I whatever you'd find something you'd have to but like yeah just suddenly I'm like okay cool rollerblading for a laugh like lol but also if I fuck up my wrist it's not just me typing email like I can't yeah. do my job with a wrist brace yeah I sound like an old lady um, that's no, the truth you of it. sound like a smart woman, but <clears throat> I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast before or not, but, um, I have a friend who is also an illustrator, same line of work. That's how I, um, met him. And he had a sort of freak accident. Like I was actually there at the time that happened because we were working on an event together and someone was coming out of the bathroom as he was going in and sort of opened the door into his hand so something that like doesn't feel like a big deal. It's like, yeah, you, you know, yeah. hurt his hand, but it just sort of like the way that it kind of the force came onto his finger. Um, you know, like he ended up going to hospital that afternoon to get it checked, but just thinking like, oh, maybe it's broken or sprained or something. But it ended up, it must have just been like the the force and the angle that it hit it on it like had nerve damage and just like this years long journey, yeah. multiple operations, then had this like, um, 
I can't remember what the condition's called, but they call it like the like the suicide syndrome or something because basically you have this like phantom pain that doesn't oh, actually exist, but you can't do anything about it. Oh, that's that because it's, it's like a neurological disorder yeah. rather than a physical thing. But yeah, so he's anyway, he's had this massive journey that he's been on, but um, through all of that, could like for big chunks of time couldn't use his hand, his drawing hand, drawing hand. And he, you know, had a mortgage, got a young family, it was incredibly stressful. And at that time I was going through this exact thought process that you've just talked about and gone, I have literally no other skills yeah. <laughs> and no plan B. And that's when I was like, uh, okay, what what would I do if something like this happened to me? I mean, Ray wasn't – he. by the way, the – funny isn't quite the right word, but he's had this incredible life. He is a um, climber, a rock climber, and has done these like insanely dangerous things and like slept on the side of mountains and gone on these huge oh expeditions to places people have never been before. And this is what fucked him. Yeah, like was a just bathroom door. A bathroom door. Yeah, exactly. So it's like. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it does. It does. But it just goes to show like you don't have to be rollerblading or yeah, doing anything yeah. dangerous. You know, these things can just happen out of nowhere. The worst injuries I've had has been like reaching into the backseat of my car on a weird angle. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and that's a good point as well because it is just, I think, like adds that perspective to not to say don't care. But, yeah, I think those of us who have a predisposition towards anxiety – are trying to manage fear and variables by controlling things, but it does help to be like, nope, actually everything's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to get you regardless. Not only the things you're worried about, but everything. So just let it go. (laughs) You might as well go down rollerblading. (laughs) Um, but, But that's when I was like, maybe I should start um, looking into doing teaching more. Like what, what is my, like, what do I know? And trying to get some of my IP out of my head and documented so that I could, yeah, like start getting together some stuff to teach. And it's also when I started thinking about improving my public speaking, because at that point I think I had run, a couple of workshops, but I was so nervous. And I, you know, when you're like, I was confident that the content I had was good, but it's like, you know, you, you're like, you're shaking and you can see that like everyone knows, yeah. <laughs> like everyone knows how nervous you are. And they're on like, it was a lovely supportive group of people. Like they're on board. They're on my side. I felt like they were on my side, but also like, I could see them kind of feeling sorry for oh, me a little no. bit. Oh, no, I can't. No, exactly. It and then it makes awful. it worse because you can see, yeah. I think it's that thing of like the kind eyes. Yeah. And they're almost like nodding a little bit while you're yes. talking. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good, good girl. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Like you yeah. say, I mean, obviously better to have an audience on your side and that is so lovely. I mean, if the alternative is them sitting there with folded arms being like, who the fuck are you? You shouldn't be like, that would be the nightmare. Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't give you, because it does feel, yeah, the way you would support 
like a, a kid. It's like yeah. that energy yeah. rather than, I guess, respect, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like it was just the sort of presenting to a room bit. Like once we got into working and it was more just like wandering around with people, that felt okay. But it's just the like when you've never done it before, just like hearing your voice and silence yeah. is weird. Like it just feels very, very vulnerable and it's weird to think now because it's you know due to a a lot of practice and work over that was probably almost a decade ago I reckon running those first workshops um it now feels quite comfortable that I can't but I can remember I can access that feeling quite readily of how sick and nerve-wracking it was and having to work through that yeah fear and as you know, the, the topic of this podcast always comes back to like just having to be shit and doing it anyway, because that's what, where you are on that time, on that learning timeline. Like you're a beginner, like we were talking about last week with the dancing on planes and stuff. You can't, you can't practice that out of context. Yeah, you can't practice facilitating a workshop with no one there. Yeah. Any any performance. Yeah. yeah. And like the bar, I mean, I guess you could try, you could do it to one person, then you could do it to two people, then you could do it to three people. It just wouldn't work because no. also the dynamic of any performance is like, who is that one person? Who, who are those two people? There have been times where I've been, <coughs> excuse me for this. Yeah. Thank you. Um, where I've done drawing work in front of 500 people. And if, if you could have linked my heart rate to like some, whatever monitor it would have been completely fine like the Mm. the most calm there are other times where I've been doing something in front of eight people and I can feel my palms sweating like like that that panic that rising panic and it's just there's so many other factors yeah what would what would you do say um you're out rollerblading (laughs) looking amazing yeah uh and you break your wrist what do you think what would you do. I think it would oh, I don't know it's like I, I don't I think it would probably be something in like maybe facilitation mm-hmm. it would it would have to be yeah I mean some teaching adjacent thing like mm. I'd be open to that I think it's just like the thought of developing like a some kind of content makes me feel exhausted. But if I think yeah. if I had a framework or someone to help me do that or think about it, I, I could. But like maybe some kind of facilitation thing or like something workshop based, I guess. Because yeah. it would have to be, right, like if you're taking it out of your hand, it would have to be something in your brain. Yeah. And I suppose that would be like I think the value that I would add would be something in like speaking and connecting with people. Yeah. I mean, or just this. approved. I would I, think <laughs> I would just come to your house and record twelve hours of podcasts a day. Oh, amazing! Am I going to push you over? <laughs> hey, Alice, try on these roller skates. Yeah. Want to come blading with me this weekend? <laughs> Go down the hill. It's not scary. Want to come shred with me in the gang <laughs> outside the IMAX? <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, let's not break our wrists. (laughs) No, let's, let's not, but it's, it's worth thinking about. It feels like a very, um, important, but kind of like adult thought, I guess. I mean, it's the, it's the kind of thing I've done so many jobs with 
clients who talk about the importance of kind of some sort of the the phrase used is diversified portfolio and it's a thing when I when I started doing this work 10 years ago I would like write it down and I'd just be like I don't care what that is (laughs) that sounds boring and I don't I'm not interested and now I've like really been thinking about I'm like oh I I do I kind of get that like I mean there's there's arguments you could make. I've seen people do amazing things because they are all fucking in and that's yeah. it. And they don't give themselves – they burn the ships. They can't go home. This is it and they have to make it work. There's one way to do it. Other people who are like, no, nah, I want a few different arrows and my quiver keeps it interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what I was thinking as you were talking was uh, like, yes, it's good – it's useful to think about these things so that like if it does happen, it's not the literal first time you've thought about it. But then, yes, exactly, there is the other argument to say like don't have a plan B, don't have a safety net, you know, just go for it and see what you can achieve when you put all of your eggs in one basket. Mm. I saw a meme the other day that was like, of course I put all my eggs in one basket. I'm going to carry multiple baskets and just put a few (laughs) eggs in each. Why would I do that? (laughs) It's a great point. Uh, It's a great point. It's efficient. All eggs, one basket, one trip. Yeah. Just walk slowly. Be careful. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably what, that is probably the point of that saying, by the way. Like I feel like sayings become sort of diluted over time. Even the, um, the uh, jack of all trades, master of none. So that is, that's not the whole saying. Let me just, I'm going to look it up so that I get it right rather than make it up. So it's actually kind of the original saying, the intent behind it is almost opposite. Oh, wow. Is it one of those? Cause there's, I feel like there are a few examples of this where it's like, um, We've kept half of a thing like this piece of wisdom, but it's oh, there's another one that's like a very, um, I don't know. I think it's like with great power comes great response, but like not the Spider Man. Yeah, there was there was that was sort of based on I think like a Stoic something, but yeah, there's an expanded version, and it's like oh, when you add the first sentence, yeah, that changes things. Yes, exactly. So this is the exactly the case with this. So the full quote is: "A jack of all trades is a master of none." but oftentimes better than a master of one. Plot twist. Plot twist. Um, And obviously, you know, like a saying is a saying. It's not like, well, here is the evidence. (laughs) Like It's just a way, a a framework for thinking about things. So you can take half of it, but it does inherently change the, the meaning that it's not saying it's bad to diversify your portfolio. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I talk like that now, you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Quite, quite the opposite. Yeah. You can, you can exactly like those little phrases I think are like, they're tricky because they've done all those studies. And I remember a lot of this coming out of the kind of behavioral science world when it was that weird and dark chapter of time where Trump was like a thing. Mm. don't even want to open that box of Mm -hmm. memories but like Mm -hmm. and they basically were showing how through sloganeering if you have something like short that rhymes yeah and you repeat it enough times it just becomes 
not quite truth in people's minds, but it becomes so familiar and the feeling of familiarity is so adjacent to the feeling of trust and truth that like mm. eventually you can say the most ridiculous thing, but if you've repeated it enough times, it, it lands and become, yeah. like affects people's behavior, even though consciously they would tell you that they know it's bullshit. Yeah. And those little kind of cliches or idioms have that, I guess like it's a double-edged sword in that sense. It's like they can be really helpful little nuggets of wisdom that have survived over time because they're so memorable. But also you can you trust them very easily because they sound wise yes. and old and true. And then you're like, but actually what the fuck is that saying? Yeah. What do, do I even agree with that? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, we attribute it like because we hear them and probably we hear them like in schools and stuff, like in educational mm. institutions and smart people quoting them that it's like because it's old and repeated mm. that it's automatically true. Yeah. But it's just it's just a saying, like it's just a, a framework for thinking about a yeah. thing. But we, yeah, absolutely, it feels like truth. And trustworthy. Yeah. Like it feels time-honoured. Yeah. It's made me think now, also hearing you ref- reference that meme, like how often, and I mean, okay, probably for every hundred memes I consume, like 92 of them are bullshit and make me laugh. I thought you were going to say 92. Two of them are dogs. <laughs> yes, also that. No, a hundred out of a hundred yeah. dogs. <laughs> but how sometimes it's funny how something as silly and frivolous as a meme like can really open up thought yeah. as well. Because the thing that makes them funny is the like telling a true thing in a way that makes a familiar truth seem absurd or new or laughable. Yeah. Like that that's where that humor that's the device that's like the mechanism under it. Mm. So there's wisdom in memes is is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, it's I think it's the same thing that happens with comedy, right? It's like exactly. yes, it's it's entertainment, but the reason that we love it and we feel connected is because someone is saying a thing that you don't usually say out loud and you relate to the thing. And that's why it's funny and that's why we like it, you know. It's, you know, those little quirks in life that you don't usually talk about openly, which I think is the same thing that, you know, memes and comedy do, that you go, oh, my God, me too, and we love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Memes and comedy. (laughs) There it is. Um, Well, it's probably about time to wrap up, I think. Our next few episodes are going to be us trying a new format. Yeah. It's very exciting. So because you're traveling and then I'm going to be traveling immediately afterwards, we're going to be uh, trying our hand at recording long distance. And I, for one, am very fucking excited that I get this excuse to basically phone you and talk shit with you um, while we're both on opposite sides of the world. So um, for everyone listening, follow, follow along. It's, there will be some glitches along the way, but we're probably going to nail it. I mean, (laughs) it's probably going to be flawless. If we're known for anything, it's our technical prowess. (laughs) It's our incredible high level of (laughs) professionalism. I think it will be fun for people to 
to follow along. Yeah. Hopefully we'll do some interesting things. I'll tell you about my um, rollerblading journey. And mm. <laughs> I remember last year we did one, I think we'd done one and it was the actual sound was, was pretty janky, which hopefully we'll upgrade this time. But yeah. we did a chat while you were away. Yes, we did. And I remember like both of us, you were so tired that you... Was it the one where you were so tired? One of, or I was basically, one of us was so jet lagged and tired and delirious and the other one was just confused, but it was a really fun episode and we didn't know how it was going to land. And then it ended up being one of our best ones at the time. Like in terms of listenership, people related to it. So it's all a huge experiment. I think people like to watch a car crash. (laughs) (laughs) And we're here to be that car Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. The things we do, the things we do. All right, beautiful Alice Edie. Well, I'll um, I'll see you on the other side from summer. Woo! Yeah. Um, Thanks for today. We'll chat soon. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Club. Please follow us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're feeling extra kind, rate and review. Or if you got any insights or value from this, share with a friend. You can also find us on Instagram at ImpostorPod or online at ImpostorSyndromeClub.com.